Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a Peruvian chef on the podcast to talk about his hot new show on Food Network and the key to romantic meals. He is a chef, entrepreneur, model, and the host of the all-new Hot Dish with Franco. It's Franco Noriega. Franco, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you are somewhat a fresher face to the Food Network family, and we are so excited to get to know you. How does it feel to have your very own Food Network show? Oh my God, Jamie. First of all, thank you for so much for the invitation. I am so happy to be part of the Food Network family. It is such an incredible place to be, and I am very excited to, to share with all the audiences the incredible recipes that we've been cooking. Uh, what can we expect from the new show, Hot Dish? A lot of fun moments, that's for sure. <laughs> Great recipes. I've been traveling around the world since I was 12 years old. So my style of cooking is very much eclectic. It is an inspiration of different places, very much of Latin America, for sure. I am Peruvian, born and raised, but um, starting at 12 years old, I've lived in Mexico, in Brazil, in Argentina. And then eventually in New York, I've been here for 16 years, so like half of my life. And, and it's just a mix of all these incredible places. I have a grandmother that's Italian. My mom's also Italian. So I get a lot of this like Italian background in my cooking, but it really is a lot of like different places and bold flavors. What was the most important thing for you to make sure you incorporate into each episode as you were kind of developing this concept with Food Network? So I've been living in New York for a long time, and I think that has influenced a lot my way of cooking. And that's just like that we don't have a lot of time, um, you <laughs> know, like we're always on the run. Yes, we are. So I love cooking, but I don't like to be in the kitchen for more than like, you know, 30, 45 minutes, you know. So most of my recipes are delicious, but they're easy to make 
and just quick recipes, you know? So I think like that is something that translates and, and then it's like, it's just basically like goes along the series and all the episodes. These are like super delicious recipes that are easy to make. And some of them have like new ingredients, probably like we have this incredible peppers from like Mexico and Peru. And we use like we use them in the sauces, but don't get intimidated by, you know, these crazy names. You can find them anywhere and they're just going to add such delicious flavors to all your dishes. Is one of those peppers ahi amarillo? Is yes. That, I, I fell in love with that pepper when I was in Peru and I was Sorry. obsessed. But I felt like Sorry. I couldn't find it in as many places here. You know what? I mean, thanks to Amazon, I think like now that's you can true. find anything anywhere in like, you know, <laughs> like in 24 hours. And I think that's one of the things that I feel like before, you know, when I was cooking in New York and to find ahi amarillo or to find rocoto, which is another pepper that we use a lot, or even the poblano peppers or the chipotles, you would have to run to a sea town in Queens to get this Latin American products. But now you can get them even at Whole Foods, you know, like everywhere. So I feel like you, they're easy to get now. And I feel like they're going to add just so much more. I mean, just like, like, like you said, the ají amarillo, just it's not only spice, but just so much flavor. Yes, so much flavor. And it was unlike anything I had ever tried before. If you were to describe your cooking style in three words, what would they be? Flavor, Mm -hmm. easy, and um, crowd pleaser, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I think that was more than three words, but we'll let it slide. You know, I know you mentioned your family and your grandmother. Who has been the most significant influence in your culinary journey? So I come from a family of restaurateurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents own bakeries. And um, so I was always brought up in this business of food. But um, the person who really taught me how to cook was my nanny, Delfina. Mm. Um, she's a Peruvian uh, woman that comes from the mountains, from the Andes. So she had a lot of knowledge of many ingredients that were not part of like, you know, like normal ingredients, mm-hmm. not only peppers, but just like quinoa and incredible produce, you know, and the way we used it. So she was the one who taught me how to make like dressings and like to how to peel potatoes and like how to waste as little as possible. Because of course I come from a country that is, you know, it's in development. So food is very, we don't waste a lot of food, put it that way. So she was very conscious about that since growing up, you know, she would peel with a very thin peel and she would show me all these things. She's like my mother. I love her to death. And she was the one who really taught me how to cook. Can you share maybe your favorite childhood food memory that that really, you know, kind of sparked your interest in food and cooking? I remember there's two memories, but they're very much the same, just okay. like with different women in my life. So one, I mean, I remember my mother, my grandmother, my, my Italian grandmother, Andelfina, always putting my, like sitting me in the counter and being like, you can only watch. Okay. You cannot do anything. If you want to learn how to cook, you need to watch. And I would be like, you know, like watching, but eventually I was like tired of watching. So I was like, I want to do something. And if it, I mean, I would, they would let me how to do something. They were like, okay, you're, you're, you'll have the opportunity to really cook something. And the minute I cook something, I completely screwed the dish. And they were like, that's it. You'll never do it again. But they were so sweet to always teach me again. Uh, as you mentioned, your parents, you know, own restaurants, bakeries in Peru. So you were kind of exposed to the hospitality industry early on. What was the most important lesson you learned from your parents during that time? 
I think people management and the importance of having a team. They had more than 15 bakeries in Peru. So that was like 600 employees. And to manage this amount of people, aside of having really good management skills, it's about have, you know, keeping people motivated and really making them feel as part of the bigger purpose, which is the company. So I feel like this was one of the biggest things that I take away from my parents, like, you know, like building a, a business and food is really getting your team in, involved and f- making them part of this big company. You mentioned a couple of times, you know, age 12, that's when you kind of started traveling. That was also the year, I assume they go hand in hand, that you were named to the Peruvian national swim team. Yes. And you were competing (laughs) professionally for five years. What was that period of your life like? And and how did food play a role in your training and, and preparation? Yeah, I mean, th- this is the time exactly that I started living in different countries, right? Because I was uh, swimming for the professional Peruvian swimming team. And uh, what happens a lot in Latin America is like the, the top three swimmers for each team, mm-hmm. they get to live abroad and train with some other team. So I would go to Argentina for like six months and like live and train with the Argentinian team. And then just like that, would go to different countries. So when you're a swimmer, or any professional athlete, you like food is a very big part of your life. Mm-hmm. And you get a nutritionist and you get to, you, I mean, you have to hit all the calories. One of the things is that my metabolism got really fast <laughs> just because you're eating this insane amount of food. And of course, you're burning a lot because sure. you're, you're training like five hours a day, but you're getting to experience like so much food. So like, you know, you, you I mean, at some point I was like, I'm tired of just eating grilled chicken, you know, so <laughs> get me like flavor. So it, it was interesting because in Mexico, I remember like there were so many ways to do grilled chicken with like the amount of flavors and like and and peppers they had. And like in Argentina, it was more about the quality of the meat and just a little bit of sauce, but not so much of it. So every country had its own particular way of like, of like giving you the the, the same basically grilled chicken, but just mm-hmm. like making it interesting. So these are memories that I take with me and that I still reference back in all of the ways that I cook. How many, like how many calories were you consuming per day at that time in your life? Oh my God. Around 15 to 20,000 calories what? a day. A day? Yeah, a day. I was eating, can you, I mean, I, I, it's, it sounds crazy when I say this, but I was eating two loaves of bread, but like the full, like 20 slices. And then I was like 20 grilled chickens, like 20 breasts. I mean, throughout what? the day, per right? Day? But like, but yeah, every day. Yeah, because you wake up in the morning and you're having like four grilled chickens for breakfast. It's not like you're having like two eggs, you know? And then you go, of course, you train at five in the morning for two hours and a half. So you're coming out exhausted and super hungry. Then you rest for like four or five hours and then you swim again for like two hours and you rest three hours and then you swim again. So it's a lot of like physical exercise. Wow, that's incredible. What was it like, you know, kind of adjusting once you stopped swimming professionally and competitively? I mean, how did your metabolism like, I guess, adjust. catch up and adjust? Yeah. You know what? I feel like, I mean, I have a very fast metabolism even up until now. I eat mm-hmm. a lot of food. I mean, people always think like, oh, you know, you must really like look what you eat. But I'm like, no, I eat so much. And when people are with me, they're like, how is it possible that you eat all this amount of bread? <laughs> I was like, I swam so much that I feel like, you know, this is staying with me. 
<laughs> um, you're very lucky. I wish I still had that metabolism. All right. Walk me through how and, and why you ended up in New York City and, and what were your dreams and ambitions at that time in your life and how have they evolved since then? So I came to New York to study acting. That was the reason why I moved to New York. I went to American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I was 17 when I moved to New York. And it was just like everything. I mean, arriving to New York just opened my mind and just made me look at the world in a different way. I was also so young when I moved that I feel like I almost grew up in New York also, mm -hmm. you know, because like at 17, you're still like, you're not 100% formed. So I kind of like finished my formation here in New York. And but then after like two years of studying acting, I was discovered by a big photographer here in New York to be a model. Mm -hmm. And I was it was the first time that I had to make a big decision in my life as if to to continue my acting studies or to take this huge opportunity in life that I was being discovered as a model. And I took it because I believe and, you know, this was one of the, the first times that I had to make this big decision. And then after that, it really became kind of a like something that I follow that is that when an opportunity presents itself, you have to take it, you know, mm -hmm. even if you are in a, in a weird or moment, or even if you are in a safe moment, I think you really have to risk it and take it. And I took it. I was a Dolce & Gabbana model, like an exclusive model for two years. And that opened all the doors in the world, in the fashion world. And, and after that, I did like the Paris, Milan, London, Par Tokyo, <laughs> New York, kind of like modern life for eight good years. And they were incredible. It showed me so many cool things, but it also kind of like showed me that um, I had already reached the top. And the difference between doing one brand to a different brand at that level is very much the same. So I felt like I was not evolving anymore. And this is when I had kind of like this moment where I was like, okay, I want to do something else. Like this is, this was an amazing eight years, but what else is, comes after this? That's when I went back to school here in New York. I decided to be like based in New York again. I was also exhausted of traveling like, you know, mm. three days here, two days there. It was like the whole like jet lag from Europe was a lot. And then I came to New York and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to my original passion, which was cooking. And I feel like it was my original passion because I grew up with it, you know, mm -hmm. with my parents' business. And also Peru is, I mean, now it's the number one country in the world for food. So we've always been very much food centered. Mm -hmm. So it's very much part of the culture and we're brought up in the kitchen in a way. So it was always a passion of mine. So when I came to New York, I was like, okay, I'm going to study, I'm going to study cooking, culinary, not so much to be in the kitchen, but to have the backbone in order to open restaurants, which was something that I've, my parents have been doing for years. And I've also kind of like been in this school of like opening restaurants, just mm -hmm. like without knowing it. So I did that. I went to uh, French Culinary Institute. And as soon as I graduated, I opened my first restaurant, Baby Brassa in New York City. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible story. And, and you've obviously found success in all of these different you know, facets of your life as a model, an entrepreneur, a swimmer, a chef. And as a former swimmer, I mean, can you kind of talk about the importance of not staying in your lane and kind of totally. getting out of your comfort zone when it comes to these huge life decisions? So I think one of the things that, that for me is the, the biggest lesson of being a competitive athlete is that you're constantly having goals in life, right? You have short, midterm, and long-term goals. Even when I was swimming, like a, a short-term goal was to win the national team. Then the midterm goal was to get into the South American championship. And a long-term goal would be 
to win the Olympics. So you're always having these crazy huge goals that are that seem to, totally unattainable. Mm-hmm. But at least you have a, your north is very much it's very clear where you're going, and I think that's very important, you know. And for this you understand that taking risks is part of the journey, right? Because nothing comes, just like you said, by staying in your lane. You mm-hmm. have to take the risk and you have to kind of like dive into the unknown in most of the times, as long as you know where you're going, even if you don't know where you are at that certain moment, you're good, you know, because you have a direction. And of course, you know, following your heart and following your intuition is very much part of that. So I feel like having goals is one of the biggest lessons. and of course the most important thing is discipline with everything you do. When you decided to go to culinary school, was owning and opening a restaurant part, was that one of the, you know, the the big goals in the future? Or did that kind of come along as, as it went? You know, I remember the first time that we had the culinary class, we had to say what was the reason why we were in school, like why what made us, you know, come to school. And everybody wanted to like either work in a restaurant that has like three stars from a Michelin Mm. restaurant or everybody wanted to like really get into the world of like working for somebody. But I feel like for all these years being a model in a way, even though you're not working for yourself, you kind of are because you Mm -hmm. don't have a boss, you know, like, so I was like, I can never really have a boss. I need to be (laughs) my own boss, you know, also being an athlete, you are your own boss. You control the things that you know, like it's all about you. It's the discipline that you put yourself. So I was very much clear that I wanted to open my own restaurant. I remember saying that out loud. And the, my chef was, now that I think about it, very small-minded. She was like, you know, it's not something that you can do as soon as you graduate. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong because <laughs> I'm here to graduate and open the restaurant as soon as I graduated. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, I graduated in November and uh, Baby Brasa opened in March next year. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, and that was 2016, Baby Brasa in the West Village. How did you bring your Peruvian heritage to life with this concept? So Baby Brasa definitely has a Peruvian DNA, but it's very much Latin American, right? I mean, I brought all the countries that I've lived and enjoyed in my life. I mean, we have like tostadas and tacos from Mexico. We have feijoada from Brazil. We have arepas from Venezuela and Colombia. So it's really a mix, but it has a lot of the Peruvian DNA and flavor profile. It was at the beginning, it was kind of a challenge to explain people what Peruvian food was because Mm -hmm. it was, I think still is not a hundred percent known, but back like, you know, seven or eight years ago, Peru didn't really win number one culinary in the world. So people were like, what is Peruvian food? The first thing I had to say was ceviche, right? Like people immediately understand what ceviche is and that is Peruvian. We're also in New York. It's very cosmopolitan, you know, so there's people from all over the world and the acceptance was amazing. So it's been a super fun ride. Now we have uh, more restaurants. I own also Tivoli. It's a trattoria. It's an Italian trattoria. Mm. There's recipes from my grandmother. I remember calling her like many nights. I'm like, mom, how do you make the rigatoni bolognese? Or how do you make this? <laughs> like, you know, like she has a favorite ricotta cheese with like honey. So I would call her a lot. And, and we just opened the coffee shop, Fellini. That's that's amazing. And I want to talk a little bit more about about the Peruvian cuisine, because like you said, I mean, it's definitely getting more well known now, but I still think that there's a lot of maybe misconceptions about what it includes. Of course, there's ceviche on the coast, but, you know, it's it's much different up in the mountains or different areas. I remember when I visited the country, I was so surprised to learn there were 
over 4,000 varieties of potatoes grown there. (laughs) What are some other cornerstones of Peruvian cuisine that you love? Well, so one of the things that I love about Peruvian cuisine is, first of all, that out of the 32 climates that exist in the world, Peru has 30 of them. It's a country with more microclimates. So that what that means is that we can grow basically everything that you can imagine. And also it has a lot of altitude differences. So there's everything grows in Peru. And I think that is one of the the interesting things about Peru is aside of the whole Asian immigration, Peru was the first country to open Asian immigration in the Latin American continent. Mm-hmm. So in 1920s, there were more than a hundred boats from China and Japan, like in the Pacific Ocean, waiting to come to Latin America. And Peru was the first one to say, yes, you can actually dock your boats here. And that just changed the the way Peruvian food exists. You know, I mean, a ceviche really is a take on sashimi. It's basically mm-hmm. raw food cooked in lime. So it was the Peruvian ingredients that were already in part of the land with all this, you know, Asian techniques that were coming in. And that became, I mean, like the revolution of flavor that Peruvian food is. But one of the ingredients that I like the most is quinoa. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I <laughs> learned to love quinoa in america because really yes i mean it's funny and when i say this like people are like how is it possible i I mean i've been eating quinoa since i was like a a little kid but in peru we ate it like in a stew kind of and it was not my favorite thing honestly i hated quinoa when i was growing up i never liked it and then it was not until i came to america that i that you guys cook it like in a in a rice version, kind of mm-hmm. like almost and then like you rice, put it yeah. almost like rice, and then you put it on salads. So it was kind of like what, like quinoa and salad. It, things like <laughs> in Peru, this didn't go together, right? Really, and I love it. I love it because it, it is a great carb. It's also like it's low glycemic levels, so it's like very healthy carb, and and it's it's amazing. So now I'm I'm a total American. I cook quinoa like an American. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 does your like family think of, of of the your use of quinoa these days? You know what? It's funny because I mean I brought this way of cooking quinoa, and now they they also didn't like quinoa much, but uh, <laughs> now I like they cook quinoa at least once a week the American way. <laughs> That's so funny. When we come back, Franco reveals what led him to New York City and later teases what we can expect from his new Food Network show, Hot Dish. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. 
We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. You're obviously so proud of, of your heritage. What does it mean to you to be able to share it through food? I think it's the best way to share heritage in general. You know, I was in Italy last week and, you know, I was telling them joking, I, even though I was joking, half joking, when I was saying that the best pizza is not Italian, it's New York. <laughs> and they were like, what? No, they were almost kicking me out of the restaurants. They're like, no way, you have to get out of here. I was like, guys, the best pizza is in New York. I'm telling you. <laughs> I am a pizza guy, but it's amazing to see like how much, like there's so much pride that goes into cooking and into, you know, seeing people's reaction to food. I mean, the, the, the minute they put the pizza and the minute you take a bite, they're all waiting to see what you think, what you feel, you know, I feel we all do this, you know, with food. I mean, it, it, even if it's food from your country or if it's food that you've made in your apartment and you're like just having guests, you know, come in and try it. I think it's something that brings people together and makes us feel like at home. So I feel like it's a, it's a great way to share it. I'm very happy to be doing hot dish with Franco for Food Network. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. There's super fun moments also for stories that I have that are relatable. The first time that I was in New York and I went to Baltasar, I didn't know what Baltasar meant, but I like, I felt this bustling energy of the restaurant business. And I was like, wow, you know, like this is New York restaurant life. I love it. Yeah. I mean, give us some more like little teasers of, of what we can expect to see during these six episodes. We're doing a mix of Latin America and Italy, which is the way I've been basically cooking for all my life. We have this deconstructed tiramisu that is delicious and super easy to make. And then we do like chorizo with melted cheese and arepas. These are just like things that like, I feel like these are recipes that are so simple and so used in America, but you don't see them here so much in, in New York or um, I mean, you see them in Latin America, but you don't see them so much in America. And I'm showing you how easy it is to just step out of your comfort zone. Not so much, but just a little bit and just experiment like incredible flavors. Of course, we're doing a classic bolognese because of course, who of doesn't course. like bolognese? <laughs> I'm using three types of meat though, to give it like a, a twist there and maybe like some cayenne pepper for a little spice. But yeah, it's just like delicious food. I mean, we're doing like a shrimp and chicken skewer tacos like a guacamole with charred pineapple. Very delicious recipes. What do you hope people take away from this show? I want people to be entertained, to be happy when they're watching the show. 
and to really try the, the the recipes, you know, because I feel like most of the time, whenever I'm watching a show and I see that there's so many steps or I feel like the complicated level starts getting uh, high, then I'm like, okay, maybe I'll leave this recipe for some other time. The way we're doing the show is just like simple, you know? So, so these are like recipes that can be done quick. If you mm-hmm. are living in a New York minute, you can cook them in your apartment and then you're, you're going to have a blast with the people you're sharing them with. And just fun. I mean, I think we're going to have a lot of fun together. It sounds like a lot of fun. Are there going to be some maybe uh, date night worthy meals in there? I know uh, you're kind of known for that as well. <laughs> for sure. We're doing some, uh, we're working with some of Ferdisiacs in some episodes. We're also doing like a delicious ceviche that is a vegetarian option. So we're also cooking, you know, targeting our veggies and, and vegan friends there. We're cooking with a lot of cilantro. For all the cilantro lovers and haters, I'm going to try to bring you to my corner there. But I'm giving you also some replacements like dill and parsley and stuff like that. Okay. Well, speaking of, you know, date night, romantic meals, what are some key like do's and don'ts, whether you're cooking or just, you know, choosing a, a place to go for your date night? I think, I mean, for me, the, what, you know, for a day night, it's all about the other person, right? It's not so much about the, the dish. I mean, the dish is really second mm. to the actual chemistry that you're having. So I think it has to be simple, right? And also nothing heavy, of course, nothing heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be light for whatever happens later. You're like, you know, you're feeling good. But I think, yeah, simple things. So we have some day night options available that are just, and then also dishes that can be made with two people, right? Like Mm -hmm. you chop and then I mix and stuff like that. And it's really, it's really about like, just like the flavor and the the aromas of the dishes. If you were designing a date night cooking class, what would that experience be like? What would be on the menu? I think I would definitely start with like, like maybe an amuse-bouche would be like something from the sea. I was just in Italy and I mean, one of the things, we were in the boat and we were like, let's try sea urchin. And it, honestly, it's not my favorite thing. Okay. Like I've, I have to say this, but yeah, same. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> right, right, right. But you know what? There was something about being in the boat and like having the sea urchin and being the ocean and tasting the ocean because that's what sea urchin really tastes like that I felt it was kind of like romantic and also kind of erotic in a sense, you know? It was just like, I don't know, the whole thing. So I feel like I would do something that has to do related to the sea. I also feel like every time we eat things from the ocean, it reminds us of something like a beautiful sunset. It gives us like a nice memory of of like where we're eating that. So also when we're in the ocean, we're probably eat like wearing very little clothes. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so it also makes me like get in the mood like that. I think a ceviche is perfect for that. Yeah, I mean, it's also great for like a, for like, you know, like a, a date because, you know, you, you can do it together. It takes like 10 minutes top. So you could be enjoying, but really focus on the conversation I like to be focused more on the conversation that, than on the steps of the recipe. So nothing that has to do that is too complicated or has too many steps. So I would start with like maybe like a sea urchin, to, like, you know, as an appetizer, move into a ceviche and of course, finish with chocolate, <laughs> <laughs> something with chocolate. I don't know, some strawberries with chocolate, such a cliche, but why not? Yeah. Are you, you have a sweet tooth? I take it. I, I do. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it, I go through like periods of times where like uh, sometimes I'm like crazy for sweets sometimes I'm not so crazy for it lately I am I've been eating so many sweets in in Italy and one thing I like the way Italians do sweets it's never too sweet you know it's like you can really finish a cake 
without having to think about that you ate the whole cake. Like sometimes I feel like here the cakes are like super sweet. So you get like a couple of bites and you're good. So I like that. Where, what's been your favorite place that you've traveled to either for the, the culture or for the food or both? So I love Brazil. It's one of my favorite countries in the world. I live there part-time and I, I love the, the amount of vegetables and fruits that exist in the country and the way Brazilians eat. I mean, they eat so simple because there's so much variety of flavor in itself on the actual ingredient that, you know, it's a steak and a crazy amount of salad is the way that they eat. So I love that. I'm obsessed with Japan. I think, I mean, coming from Peru, we have a very big Japanese influence. I went to Japan for three weeks when I was uh, studying in the French Culinary Institute. I did in an internship in Japan. We did Tokyo, Kyoto, and Osaka. And being in Japan and like seeing also how it's all about the ingredient, like having the freshest fish with a little bit of soy sauce and rice, that's it. Like you don't need anything else, but it just tastes so good. And the way that, you know, I was very impressed by the way Japanese work, you know, like how clean their stations are, how how there's so much respect for the actual ingredients, for for the moment that you're cooking, for the actual moment of cooking. You know, there's a, I remember at Osaka, like the first time we arrived, we had to like, kind of like it was 30 to 40 seconds to just acknowledge where you are, acknowledge your food station, acknowledge who you're serving. And I was like, wow, like you, these are things that you don't think. I mean, normally you just get to the kitchen and start chopping and cooking, but you're not acknowledging the ingredients. You're not thinking, wow, this is what I'm cooking. Like it's kind of a respect for that. And I, and I love that about Japanese culture. I, I completely agree. Do you have any travel on the on the horizon coming up? I'm going to Mexico tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> tomorrow. I go to Mexico once a month. It's part of my agenda. I love it. I work there a lot. And just, I mean, it's one of the main favorite things about Mexico. And it's like, it's when I arrive to, to Mexico City, as soon as I step out of the plane, I smell tacos and tostadas. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's like that maize, you know, smell, like the corn smell that you're like, I've arrived in Mexico. So yeah, I mean, I do Mexico next week and then who knows? And then who knows? What, what's your favorite street food to eat in Mexico City? I mean, when I'm in Mexico City, I love tacos. I feel mm -hmm. like they are, they do the best tacos in all of Mexico. Now, when you're stepping into like, if, I mean, if you go into the closer to the ocean, the tacos are different because they're more sure. like fresh, of course, because there's the ocean there. But I am very much a meat lover. So I like steak tacos. They're my favorite. But my favorite like tacos are also in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Which one? Tacos numero uno. Number one oh, tacos. Yes. My God. Fair. They're just yeah. like, I mean, you don't have to go to Mexico. You just go to meet to the Chelsea market and you'll get them there. This is true. Have you been to Taqueria Ramirez yet? No, where's oh, that? It's in Greenpoint. It's you got to check it out. It's very Mexico City vibes. Okay, so, I will. Yeah. I'm a taco lover, so I'll okay. definitely come check it well, out. Well, I mean, while I'm asking you about New York restaurants, you you mentioned the pizza. Where's Franco's go to spot for for a slice in New York? Or you can you can list several if you need to. Okay, okay. I have a couple that I like. I mean, I like Ruby Rosa just because mm -hmm. it's like so delicious, and I like to be there. I also like Zazie's Pizza for a slice. Mm -hmm. I think they do a good job. What else? I mean. I'm a big fan of Serafina on Madison and 61st. I mean, specifically that location. I think they kill it with the pizza there. <laughs> they do a great job. And Polly G's in, Green, in Greenpoint is yeah, like Polly G's, next yeah, level. They do a great job as well. I could talk pizza and food with you all day, but we are <laughs> running short on time. What 
lastly, what upcoming projects are you excited about? Aside from Hot Dish, of course. Aside from Hot Dish. You know, um, we opened this uh, coffee coffee place Fellini two months ago. And I'm, expi- I'm excited for the expansion. We're opening in Soho in a month and a half. We have Financial District also opening around the same time. I'm excited about the expansion of Fellini Coffee all over New York City. Well, we can't wait to continue enjoying it and checking it out. And that actually leads perfectly into our rapid fire round uh, before we ask you one final question. All right. So we'll start with your coffee order at Fellini, of course. <laughs> oh my God. My favorite, the protein Chino. It's <laughs> What's protein. that? My God. It's like, I mean, Americans, we are so obsessed with protein, right? Mm-hmm. Like we love protein. I created like this simple cappuccino with protein. So we foam the protein with the milk oh. and then we just do a double shot of espresso on top and it's delicious. So how much extra protein does it add? It actually has 22 grams of protein. Wow. So it's a good, like a good amount. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out next yes. time I'm down there. All right. What's, who is on your kitchen playlist who is my kid you know it depends on the mood mm-hmm. um lately i've been i don't know why but i've been going back to like like old school mariah carey songs yes <laughs> <laughs> i think it also has to do with the fact that christmas is around the corner oh. and she always pops like she's back in the christmas game <laughs> i love that. um but i love the old mariah carey like uh you know like old school like the first album she has mm-hmm. um i like whitney houston to cook i mean I, I don't know i like this very like mellow kind of romantic vibe to cook Okay, well, that's very on brand. So that makes sense. Uh, All right. Favorite West Village spots aside from your own? Aside from my own. Okay, the West Village has one of the best restaurants in the city. So there's a couple. I like Don Angie. Love Don Angie. uh, For Italian, one of my favorites. One of the new spots that I kind of like is L'Antica Pizzeria which is this new pizza place. It's, I mean, it's from the movie Eat, Pray, Love. They had this Neapolitan place and now they open in the West Village. It's pretty good. I'm still in the West Village, but I mean, it's kind of That's West okay. Village Soho. It's, it's adjacent. Indochine. <laughs> I love Indochine oh, for like Indochine. a good, yeah. like, you know, Vietnamese French style cooking night. And, and of course, Baby Brasa. And of course, Baby Brasa. <laughs> All right. Book you read that changed your perspective. Okay, so I am um, read a lot. I eat at least one. I, I read at least one book a month. So wow. I can tell you the one I just finished reading, which is called "The Future Is Faster Than You Think," mm-hmm. and it talks about the AI world we're living in and where we're about to step in. I mean, even though we're already in it, it's not there yet in terms of like where we're about to be just mm-hmm. next year and the following three to five years. I mean. The way our life is going to change, our ways of communicating, even right now. I mean, we're in different places and we're doing this, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, just, it's insane. It's interesting to think that the future is really faster than we think. I mean, like things are moving pretty fast and I think AI is here to help us more than, you know, not sometimes like there's a lot of conversations about like how this is going to hurt us, but I think there's a lot of positive things coming from AI and, and I'm excited for it. I'm always a, a very positive kind of futurist guy. I love what's coming f- next. So I love this book. Yeah, that's, I'm going to have to, I'm going to recommend that. You, you should talk to my boyfriend. You guys have the same perspective about oh, yeah. AI and how it can, <laughs> how it can, you know, just help us and, and yes. that kind of thing. So, all right. Favorite way to work out. You know, I work out alone because in, in, it, my workout is kind of the way, I mean, it, aside of working out, I'm also like decompressing and like focusing on myself and like my thoughts. So I kind of like to be in my own groove. I put my music on. 
I don't know. I mean, I'm in my vibe. I'm like checking out myself in the mirror. It's like I'm doing good exercises. I like it. <laughs> I love the honesty. Uh, <laughs> all I mean, right. You're there. You have to. I mean, yeah, that's why you're right? for, right? That's why you're there, right? Exactly. All right. Food Network chef you'd love to cook with. I think, I mean, an all-time favorite is Bobby Flay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's funny, he's cool, he's genuine, and I mean, he's like a great chef. Would sure. you uh, go up against him on Beat Bobby Flay? Yeah, why not? For sure. <laughs> All right, Bobby. <laughs> Challenge is out there. Challenge, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our final question, not rapid fire. We ask this to everybody before we close out our conversations. And that question is, what would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So we want to hear your breakfast, your lunch, dinner, dessert. There's no rules. Calories don't count. You can travel, time travel, spend absurd amounts of money, whatever you want to do. It's your day. Okay. So, I mean, my day always starts with, I I never have breakfast at home. I always have a protein shake, which is basically oats, water, and protein. So I love to start that way because then I don't know where I'm going to eat. So I like to start that, like my day with protein shake. Then for sure, a slice of pizza, anywhere <laughs> in the city i feel like a good slice you can tell when a pizza is good just by looking at it so mm-hmm. any corner that has a good slice of pizza i'm very much a pasta fanatic also i like the pastas that are homemade like pasta fat in casa I, I love it like a good pasta now that we're coming into winter truffle season it's my favorite white truffles mm. forever i was eating a lot of black truffles now that i was for like you know in the summer in italy so sure. for summer truffles but uh I love truffles. So I think it's one of my favorite um, ingredients. What else that I do I really like? Oh, I'm a big steak guy. I mean, yes. I, I love steak. So <laughs> a good ribeye, thick, very thick ribeye, medium aged. rare, all yeah. the way aged. Yes. <laughs> We're speaking the same language here. I love it. And then I guess I would finish with like, what would I finish with? Either like, I love the cookies, like the lava cookie game with like ice cream. I like this combination of hot and cold Mm. or like a classic simple delicious tiramisu of course any of those (laughs) (laughs) well it sounds like a perfect franco food day and we are so excited for you about the new show and thank you so much for taking the time to share your story thank you thank you guys i'm excited also leave me in the comments on my socials i'm excited to see what you guys think we've made this with a lot of love and i think we're all gonna have a lot of fun jamie thank you so much for your time and for this interview. You can catch Franco on Hot Dish, premiering on Food Network September 30th, tomorrow at noon Eastern. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.